This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, brought to you by The Nephilist. I'm your host, Ian Turner, and my guest today is Talon David. But first, if you enjoy today's show, I'd love for you to subscribe. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and click on any of the subscription links on the front page. Right, today's guest, Talon, as in the claw, David. She's a songwriter and recording artist based in Nashville, Tennessee, and has recently entered the voiceover and audiobook recording world. Growing up in a musical family, Talon fell in love with singing before even learning to write full sentences. But it wasn't until high school that she realised she enjoyed writing songs. She won the Grammy Foundation's Teens Make Music contest for her song Deep Snow back in 2017, and since then has travelled to Australia to study and perform. All of this in only 22 years of age. She's a talent guaranteed, but where will Talon's heart take her in the years to come? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Talon David on Plains FM 96.9. Talon, when did you realise there was such a thing as music in the world? One of the first times that I can remember enjoying something musical was um, my dad actually had us dancing to this classic jukebox that he had when we were younger. And he would play like Stevie Wonder songs and the Eagles. And I just remember feeling, this is different. This is cool. This isn't the, the kiddie stuff that we hear all the time. Then later on, I hear these songs with like the mind I have now. And I'm like, these are like hitting something deep in me that I, I didn't think I'd heard these songs before, but I had when I was like super young and they ingrained on me even. Uh, you might not know, but at what age do you think your critical ear started kicking in? Um, You know, probably around, it was like eight or nine, really? I started hearing harmonies. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard someone behind me singing at church and she was singing a harmony part okay. and I was like, this is different. This is wow. not the melody. Yeah. And that was the first time I had really like, okay, that's something I need to learn how to do. Okay. So time spent at church singing, I presume, some classics and sort of, I guess, modern worship music. They they kind of redid the stuff from like the early 2000s and 90s. And yeah, yeah. that was the stuff we were doing all the time. So outside of there, what about at school? Uh, was there any sort of formal tuition, uh, at least vocally? Not in high school and like elementary school and stuff. Not at all. Arts were not a huge part. But I was always part of choir. Mm. I guess that's what that's what I could say. Yeah. And um, so we would learn like all of the songs and um, be taught the different parts. And so that was that was fun. But there was always something about that that seemed a little campy. You know, we were singing. Yeah all of these like really culturally significant songs uh-huh. and doing them as like a small children's choir. Okay. You don't you know? quite have the understanding or the chops no. really to pull it off. But I became extremely, like extremely, um, I really wanted that solo. Yeah. You know, I was oh, like, okay. I, 
couldn't even tell you why. It was just that I was like, I needed the chance to sing alone mm. and, and I don't know, prove myself to people or prove myself to myself. Mm. I don't know. But. You've talked about, um, I guess, uh, Stevie Wonder and the other band, was it the Eagles? The Eagles, The Eagles, yeah. at least. Tell me about your mum and dad's musical performance. Were they, were they in a band together? Once they were married, they actually did do a sort of David duo. David is our last name. And so they, they did that cute little thing for a bit. But they actually started um, separately mm. at um, Opryland Theme Park here in Nashville. I'm mm. not sure if you've heard of it, but it was a pretty big deal here in the States in the 90s. And my dad was a professional guitar player that played on the General Jackson showboat and um did really well there. And my mom was in the stage shows. So she did more of like an acting, dancing, singing type, okay. type thing, a musical theater. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're sort of blending those two worlds into your into yes. your material. <laughs> what about writing at least or you creating your own stuff? When did that sort of first happen? I first acknowledged it when I was about 14 or 15. It was my um, freshman year of, of high school. And I was like, I have an idea for a song. I'm going to write it. And before then, I had actually like said to myself and thought that I would never be a songwriter. I was like, well, I I just would sing. I'm the one who does the solos. I'm, you know, that's yeah. that's what I feel comfortable doing. And I didn't realize like I had written little poems and and songs before and I had put them to music. But that for me didn't wasn't a songwriting exercise at that point. It was like, no, this is just kid stuff i guess i want to ask what compels you what compels a songwriter to do it is there anything that you can put your finger on it's almost for me speaking like in conversation with people was not a natural thing when i was younger so i i would oftentimes find myself in situations where i'd be looking directly at someone and i had no idea what to say to them I was like, I don't know how, I I want to, I'm not shy, I want to talk to you, I just have nothing to say. And so for me, when I suddenly had this idea for a complete song, I was like, I finally have something in my head to say to someone in a song form, and I know that's worked for me in the past, that people have listened to me when I've sung, and so it was like, I can finally get my thoughts across. Okay. And so I think if that makes sense, like mm. that's what initially drove me. It was like finally a way I can communicate effectively and completely to someone. Tell me about the initial feedback maybe for your first first private performance of one of your first original songs. My friends were uh, all really excited. I, Whenever I had my friends over, I'd be like, hey, do you want to listen to this song? And they were always, I'm very grateful for them because they were always like, yes, please show us. We think you're so talented. And so they were very, very encouraging in that way. And um, they about- would make jokes that I would be like a, a superstar someday and Two of them actually wanted to like create their own record label to like put my music on. Did you have any names Just, for that? They actually combined their two last names, okay. so it was like Sky On or you know something yes, crazy. Sky On Music, indeed. <laughs> what about what about for you? What about critical feedback? How yeah? How have you taken that? As I decided, I wanted to like pursue this and show my music to people who were more in the industry. 
That has actually given me the harshest feedback is actually from music industry people. Mm -hmm. And that's been difficult because for a long time I was like, these are the people that I can trust their opinion because they know what they've been doing. Right. And over the past few years, I've had really personal songs that I have showed to people and they've been like, ah, I don't think, you know, this would work. And it's like, okay, this wasn't written to be a hit song. It was written to be a songwriting song for me to convey something that I was feeling. And I think I did that effectively, you know, and that's where I have really had to come to terms with myself about what opinions I was going to let have power over my life and my music uh-huh. and which ones I wasn't going to let that happen. And it's not just like taking the good feedback in and then leaving the negative out. If it's someone you really trust and they give you constructive criticism, mm-hmm. awesome. But if it's just sort of harsh, I don't like this, this isn't good, you're not going to make it with this song, sort of stuff like that, it's like, this this has no place in my world. I want to come back to that, but we do need to play some music in this section of the show. Um, we talk Yay. about influences, um, at least. And... Uh, for goodness sake, you're in Nashville. I mean, it's it feels like, you know, the home of at least a particular brand or kind of music. Yes. Maybe it's my um, my lack of knowledge. Perhaps it is, is pretty wide, at least. Who would you say are the kind of artists that sort of typify the, the Talon David sound? I have been influenced by a lot of different things. Um from my parents' influences to ones that I've picked up, like Taylor Swift, Adele. And then when I went um, to college, I really got into the classic jazz standards, Ella Fitzgerald, you know, Nat King Cole, Duke Ellington, Mm -hmm. and just sort of that storytelling more through the musical composition and harmony in the song. And uh, Pink was a big influence as well, especially vocally. But today, the song you want to play is um, uh, Jacob Collier, at least, uh, which very definitely has uh, jazz, just crazy uh, elements to it. But it's also featuring Mahalia, and it is Ty Dolla Sign, said the old man. Yes. All of these artists are just amazing. What's the song called? It's called All I Need. Okay. And uh, this song was released last year during COVID. It brightened my whole year. I was so excited. I didn't list Jacob Collier in my like big influences because I only like got turned on to him last year. Yeah. And so even though he's not one of my like formal influences from like a long time ago. Yeah. But over the last year, I've learned so much production wise from him and mm-hmm. so much engineering wise. I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you for YouTube. Yeah. And also the way he constructs songs has been super influential. And so I wanted to bring this song today to impart a little bit of the joy that it brought me last year. <laughs> Hi I love the way that I feel when you put your arms over me Oh hi the way that you get in the groove and the walk with me Only me Cause every time I think about it, can't stop thinking about it 
that you were all I need. Cause every time I think about it, can't stop thinking about it. Huh. Cause you were all I need. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Talon David on Plains FM 96.9. Um, Talon, Nashville, you know, Grand Old Opry and, and all that kind of kind of thing. Um, uh, <laughs> what's the, he says in a terrible accent, um, uh, what's the first big gig that you saw? My first big arena concert was Ed Sheeran. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. When I, um, I believe just... I was in eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, we just jumped into it. Mm. And I was just astounded by him because it's just him up there. And now I'm sure there's like 
plenty of people backstage. Yeah. But on stage, it's just him and yep. his loop pedal and guitar. Yep. Yeah. And that was like, no way is he going to be able to fill this whole arena. Yep. It was a huge learning experience to me, you know. He is solid, though, isn't he? He's a yeah. he's he's a great he's a great performer. Um, there must have been some other sort of local acts. Tell me a bit about the the Nashville scene because it seems like a place where you see on on movies and TV where you know people right. come into town with big dreams and and that kind of thing. So I mean, what is it just like? You know, one percent of the people who sort of come into town make it. What is the vibe of the town? So I've lived outside of Nashville my whole life and then went to Belmont University in Nashville for Mm -hmm. college. And so it was really interesting sort of having an idea of the city and hearing about it like everyone else was hearing about it, that like this is the music city, you know, this is where people go. But it was always tied into country music. And that's the background of Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. And I never wanted to be in country music because of how... Most of the, at least the female artists sounded when they sang. Like, I did not want to have that twang in my voice. I, yeah. Because it wouldn't be natural to yeah. me to put that in my voice. And, yeah. and so I was never a huge fan of country music. Maybe the, the ones from like the 70s and 80s that were more folky. Yeah. I could yep. get behind. Yep. But yeah, this, the stuff now was like, eh, I don't really want a part of that. Um, but also what Nashville boasts is its songwriting community. Yes. That was really interesting to see how there are a lot of songwriters in Nashville. And have you heard of the Nashville formula? Uh, no, I haven't. But please, please impart your, yes. your wisdom and knowledge. <laughs> so that is, that is something that we learn, at least at Belmont, that is how a lot of the Nashville songwriters get to writing a song. And there are certain like structural standardizations that they have and uh, like it's verse, chorus, verse, yep. chorus, bridge, chorus, bridge. and a certain hooks. Like it's a lot of the songwriters that work there are extremely hooky writers. And so there has to be some sort of play on words or something that catches people's attention. Yeah. And um, commercialization is extremely, is like the, the main purpose of songwriting there. And so coming at songwriting from that perspective was very different from where I had come at it all of my life. And there's a very harsh, I don't know, there's there's a lot of great people in Nashville. There's a lot of great artists. But there are just as many of those who really want to keep the Nashville formula intact. And they don't okay. really want to go beyond and allow other things to open that up a little more. And that's part of the business, unfortunately, that I've had to deal with. And it just takes a little more nudging, I guess, and proof of success to get in there, you know? You talked previously in the show about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, taking constructive feedback and so on. And I was going to ask that question about where are you at currently in your in your music or your writing or your place in the business between that I am writing songs to write songs, personal songs, right. and writing songs that are going to be commercially viable is is there a balance that you you strike i think balance is the key in really all things in life but um balance as far as music goes i mean you can't just write songs with no context yeah because then the communication part of music isn't viable anymore 
And that's what commercialism really is, is just being able to most effectively communicate to the most amount of people. Mm -hmm. But when people start chasing it just for hit status or just for uh, a platinum record status is when it gets really tough because it's like you're losing the point. The point is to communicate with people. And so I try to find the balance between writing something super authentic to kind of being like, okay, we still want it to be authentic, but I still have to be able to communicate to people in a way that they'll understand. And there's, I guess there's more or less of that on the pendulum for each song. Yeah. Can you think uh, of, can you think of any artists that really are writing great, authentic music and are still pumping out the hits? Well, I mean, we talked about Jacob Collier, yep. and he <laughs> he's extremely authentic to what he wants to do. Yeah. And although he isn't having, like, major hits on pop radio, yep. he is hitting top charts in his chosen genre, okay. which is the R&B or neo-jazz. Yeah. And he's been to the Grammys. He was, like, in the main part of the Grammys this last year. Yeah. So. So talent does get recognized. It's not just about, you know, how much you pay for your award. Um, on the, eh, on the, um, on the Grammy (laughs) side of things, uh, at least, um, young teens in music, was that what it was called for the 59th? (laughs) Teens make music. Teens (laughs) make music. And you just told me before, I do remember it was the 59th Grammys at least. And you won a competition for your song, Deep Snow. Yes. What was the deal? Did something, was this while you were at university and the, you know, something came up online and said, Hey, enter the competition. I was almost there. I was actually a senior in high school. Okay. So it was the last year of high school, and I had decided that I wanted to do the commercial music at Belmont University. Yep. And so I was writing a lot, and um, so I had this song called Deep Snow Mm -hmm. at that time. Yep. And I was looking for any way that I could win scholarship money to go to college because that became an obsession, (laughs) just trying to find all the money. And so I was like, I've got songs. Maybe yeah. there's a songwriting competition I can win something Fantastic. from. And so I found this competition. And what it is, is the Teens Make Music contest. The theme of it was above the influence of like drugs or alcohol or yep. any sort of addiction. Yep. And so I was like, oh, yes, I'll write a song for this. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my parents about it. And they were like, Talon, you already have a song mm-hmm. for this. And I was like, what? I've what? And, and they were like, yeah, Deep Snow. And I was like. I've never thought of that in like that context. Where were you in your life and your space when you and you wrote? Yes. And what are the what what are the themes of the song? So I wrote this song um, the year before in my junior year of high school, and at that point, I'm not sure if it's the same in New Zealand, but in the U.S., going to college and being successful and being uh, being able to make that six figure income is the American dream mm-hmm. in how it's preached to students. Mm-hmm. And so from the time I entered high school, it was always like GPA as high as it could be. We want the highest ACT score and that should be your first priority in life. And I hit that 11th grade year and I was taking all of these um, AP classes, which are supposed to get you ahead in college. And I was like, I hate this. I absolutely hate this. And I felt like there was so much responsibility that I didn't understand and so much pressure. And so I found myself going back and 
kind of living in the memories of childhood when okay. I was carefree. And yeah. one of those is when we would go to um, Idaho, which is a really snowy place in mm. the U.S. Mm-hmm. during Christmas to visit yep. my grandparents. Yep. And we would play in the deep snow. And that became sort of an obsession of mine to kind of float back to that memory and be like, wow, remember when it was better? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't care about anything other than getting all of my winter clothing on. Yeah. And so I wrote this song about that feeling of just feeling complete despair and just hating where you are at the moment. Okay. And just wanting to fall down into the deep snow. But then conversely, at the same time, I was like, this isn't healthy. I shouldn't be living in this past situation. Yeah. And falling back into that. Yeah. That sort of despair and um, just powerlessness in my situation at that moment turned into the song. Uh I didn't know that the term snow is also a um, slang term for cocaine. Yeah. I had no idea. And then listening through this song again, I was like, it completely fits. I I could be on drugs. (laughs) Like, what? hilarious. (laughs) Yes. So anyway. I didn't get that the first time I listened to the song either, so that's fair enough. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so I ended up submitting the song And I get a call during lunch. I think it was in December, like one of the days in December of my senior year of high school. And it was from uh, California. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I run outside the school and I take the phone call. And they're telling me I won first place in this contest. Wow. It was wild. What was lunch like that day after that phone call? (laughs) I was busting. Like I was at first I sort of like shook outside i might have called my mom directly yeah. afterward yep um yeah. and been like mom look what's going on yeah and uh then i went back to the table and sort of sat quietly for a moment because i didn't want to be like guess what just happened to me yeah but then i was like i have won this contest i'm going to the grammys and they were like <gasps> take me <laughs> take me yeah yes yes so that was wild just tell me quickly about the um tell me about the experience uh did you meet anyone while you were there that kind of thing. I didn't get to meet like any celebrities yep. or anything. Although I did um, uh, the beatbox guy in Pentatonics. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I know. We got I know in the elevator the with him. Yeah. Yes. We got yeah. in the elevator with him and I was like, <laughs> just staring at him. Yeah. <laughs> so good. That was classy. But yeah, at the Grammys, they sat us in sort of the nosebleed section yes. of the stadium. Yep. So yep. it yep. wasn't like super hands-on experience yep. i wasn't yep. walking among the royalty of um the music industry but it looks but it looks great on your resume though it does you know? and i was there yeah exactly. i saw them yeah and i was looking on my phone to see what like uh, what dresses that all the women were wearing and yeah. so i could pick them out yeah <laughs> below. oh there we go there they are tell me about the production of the song because you've done yeah. you've done the majority of well everything really. So this song was really tough. It might have been one of the hardest ones to conceptualize um, production wise, mm. just because I'd played it so long, just me and the piano. Yep. This song needs more. It needs a bit more drama and yeah. depth yep. to it. It's not just a piano ballad. Yep. When I went on there, my dad had some sort of ethereal strumming techniques that he yeah. put on the guitar, and yep. so I was like. Okay, this adds a lot. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't think I want any percussion. Mm -hmm. Because the point of this song is I wanted it to feel very 
floaty because when you're in that sort of state of despair there is no solid ground mm. it didn't feel right to have a beat yes. in, the, in the middle yep, of it yep 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 yeah yep. Okay. so we didn't have that i put like sort of a droning bass note throughout the second chorus mm-hmm. because to me that sort of signaled that it was getting a little darker okay. it was getting a little oh no foreshadowing yep. almost that if I stayed in this situation if I kept singing the song almost yeah. that something bad is going to happen you okay. know so. okay I think it's a great time to um to listen to the song that says Tell and David with Deep Snow Once there was a person who thought their world was hopeless with nothing left they saw the
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Talon David on Plains FM 96.9. When was your first public performance outside of a learning institution? So I've been wanting to release an album for six years. Yep. Ever since I started writing music, yep. I was like, an album is on the way. Mm-hmm. And right before, actually, I left for Australia, yep. I did a concert of all the songs that I thought at the time would be on the album. Oh, Most fantastic. of them are not. Yeah. But <laughs> at the time, I was like, okay, I just want to let people know that the album still might happen. And so invited a bunch of family and friends and, and they invited people as well. And I was able to do a big sort of send off concert before I went to Australia. Okay. So that was really cool. Okay. Was it a fundraiser as well? Well, it was a freebie, yeah. but they ended up passing around a tip jar for oh, me, fantastic. which was really sweet. Okay. I was like, oh. <laughs> you did, uh, you mentioned Australia and it was a five month study break. Uh, musical elements? to that or was it just sort of standard academic kind of bits and pieces i actually was able to study at um the victoria campus at the university of melbourne which has their classical and jazz components with them yep and so their program wasn't completely like what i had been doing at belmont Mm. um because it's more sort of standard classical and then jazz improvisation Mm -hmm. sort of things Mm -hmm. But it was really cool. I got to finish up my music theory there yeah. and um, learn that you guys have different names for notes. <laughs> oh, really? Well, the, the, the yes. Australasia at least. Yeah. Okay. So give me an example. Like you call a, a quarter note a crotchet. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and I was n- <laughs> very confused. That, uh, and then, crotchet um, minimum. Um, oh, it's been such a long time. Semi-brief. Semi-brief. I was yeah. like, what? what? And then um, a quaver. Okay, quaver. And yeah, a semi-quaver. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, do I know what music is? Oh, really? This Belmont completely led me astray. There's a full class where I was like, what are they talking about? Okay. It was like that I day you like, missed grammar, at least. Um, yes. What, what, um, <laughs> so uh, is it a bit more mathematical, at least? Um, what do you call the um, What do you call the, the lengths of notes? Quarter note. Half note. Okay. Eighth note. Sixteenth yep. note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it. Must be a, a hangover from the from the British Empire. What about checking out uh, music while you're in Oz? Any opportunity to uh, to get out to any gigs? Because this was 2019 before the world yes. fell apart. Yes. Yeah, so actually, um, a lot of uh, my friends were in the the music part yeah. of um, the campus, and yep. so I got to see them play out. Cool. There are a lot of uh, jazz oriented acts yep. in. In Melbourne, which yeah. I was surprised to find, but uh, so I got to see a lot of that. Yeah. I got to see "Come From Away," the a musical theater performance yes. yep. in Melbourne, which yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah, and I actually got to perform a few times. I wow. did my first pub gig, opening for um, a friend of a friend. Yeah. they asked me to perform. I was like, sure. <laughs> original material. All original material, wow. and no one, no one listened. And I was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> But yep. years from now, they will say, oh, yeah, I saw her, you know, back in 2019, <laughs> old Talon. Oh, she was great. Um, Belmont, uh, you're doing, a, is it, sorry, a commercial music degree? Yes, I actually graduated in okay. April. Okay. Mm-hmm. Looking looking back at those four years, um, what's Belmont given you that you wouldn't have had otherwise? So Belmont gave me a lot of opportunities to find what I wanted to put more independent study work in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what 
college is meant to do. It's mm. supposed to sort of spark your interest in a lot of different things. And then I was able to be like, oh, I want to learn more about the blues scale or, oh, yep. I want to learn more about this Mozart sonata. Mm -hmm. And usually those turned into original songs once I did my own okay. study. Yeah. Yeah. I had never had like actual music theory training or anything like that before I went to college. Yep. And so being able to learn that, I, I really enjoyed that because I have more of a mathematical mind mm -hmm. um, in, mm -hmm. in that arena. Yep. And so that, that was like, oh, oh, I get this now. I get this now. So that was really cool. Performance opportunities all the time. Of course, it was kind of a damper when COVID came. Yeah. I think it was it was really hard on the music departments in all across, you know, the world. Mm. But especially on singers because we couldn't even play our instrument for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so, um that was tough and then we're supposed to give a recital at the uh, the last semester. Mm. Usually like a, a bunch of people show up. It's in the big um uh, performing arts center. Yeah. But this time we could only have six people attending. Oh, and man. so it was, a, it was a little bit anticlimactic yeah. there. But I still really enjoyed it because this, this is how I need to perform my music. It needs to be in this sort of venue with all these people. And I was able to get a bunch of musicians to play my music with me, yeah. which was super cool. It was like it wasn't just me anymore yeah. doing all of this myself. And it really helped me get some confidence as I was you know, preparing to release the album that it was like, I, I want to continue with this. Yeah. I still have the spark, you yeah. know. It's time for some time for some music. Um, and I do ask for an all time fave, which I know is tremendously difficult for all the music across time. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> and you've chosen a, um, a Nat King Cole track. Yes. Which one are we going to hear? We're going to hear Stardust by Nat King Cole. Okay. What do you know about the song? I know that it's a jazz standard. Okay. And I know that whenever I hear it, it just brings me so much peace. And his his voice always does. I think yeah. he's just the consummate crooner yep. voice. It almost feels like he's speaking to me when he mm. says it, which is crazy. But I, I really look up to that a lot. Yeah, fantastic. Nat King Cole, Stardust. And now the purple dusk of twilight time Steals across the meadows of my heart High up in the sky The little stars climb Always reminding me That we're apart You wander down the lane and far away Leaving me a song That will not die Love is now the stardust Of yesterday The music Of the years Gone by Sometimes I wonder why spend the lonely night dreaming of a song, the melody 
haunts my reverie And I am once again with you When our love was new And each kiss an inspiration But that was long ago Now my consolation Is in the stardust of a song Beside a garden wall When stars are bright You are in arms The nightingale Tells his fairy tale A paradise where roses grew Though I dream in vain In my heart It will remain My stardust melody The memory Of love's refrain This is the Garden of Sound interview with Talon David on Plains FM 96.9. Um, you're 22 and tremendously accomplished already. Let's go back about 10 years, maybe. Is there anything, or even even earlier, what would you say to that, to, to little Talon? Don't count yourself out just because you think that you don't have the skills to make it happen. Okay. What was happening around about that time? At that time, as far as music went, I only saw myself as a singer. Yeah. I I never would have dreamed that I could be something else. And honestly, people ask you all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? I never said singer. I never said anything to do with the entertainment industry yeah. because no one else was. Yeah. And then I didn't want to be like, I want to be a pop star because, <laughs> you know, who takes that kid seriously? And and so I was like, I want to be a veterinarian or a f- I said wildlife photographer at one point <laughs> okay. and they took it in stride. For some reason, that was more viable than being like, I want to be a singer, an author, an actress, an entertainment person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that is the way it is. But but yeah, at that time, I just didn't take it seriously. Like every time, whenever I had to add a new skill to my arsenal, there was a time before that where I was like, no, I, I don't want to do that. I would never do that. No, I'm I'm already booked up as much as I can be. <laughs> you must have had tremendous support from your parents. Where was the no coming from? Okay, <laughs> deep inside. Me, yes. Well, and also I had, like I said, just tremendous pressure from school yep. because I... I saw schoolwork as a puzzle, and so yeah. I was able to do it and didn't have to study very much mm-hmm. and was able to keep high grades. Yep. And so I was told all my life, she's going to be valedictorian. She's yep. going to go to the best college. She's going to. And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. Let's try. Yeah. I yep. don't know. <laughs> so that seemed more supported 
by the people outside of my family than anything musically oriented. Mm. And my parents didn't try to pressure me anyway, which I'm extremely grateful for. Yep. But they were super supportive when I decided to do entertainment. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. That's hugely important. Obviously, um, COVID has put some roadblocks in the way of um, many, many folks, performers, entertainers. Once we start to emerge from the darkness, I yes. feel like there's a song coming on. Um, <laughs> what do you want to sort of achieve, I guess, in the next 10 years? I love traveling. And going to Australia was just like, I was like, okay, I want to do more of this. Mm. So I would love to go on some sort of international tour yeah. with my music. I yeah. feel like that would be the best way to do that. Yep. And so I would love to do that. I would love to play a, a like big type theater show. Yep. I think that would be, that's definitely on the bucket list. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also, you know, with the voiceover stuff, that started picking up for me. Yep. And I am actually producing an EP for a friend of mine. Fantastic. And so I don't know. My need for performance is being satisfied by different things than I ever thought it would. And so that has been definitely something I've learned over COVID that I was vehemently against beforehand. I was like, I will be a performer forever and no one can take it away from me. And then I'm like, okay, we got to evolve a little bit here. Yeah. And it's, it's been a hard process, but it's happened. Fantastic. Uh, We're going to take a short break. uh, Then we're going to come back and play mini quiz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Talon David on Plains FM 96.9. I just want to tell you about a listener survey I'm running. One of the ways I can keep Garden of Sound going and developing is to generate some income through advertising and sponsorship. To do this, I need to find out who's listening and what they think of the show. So please head to gardenofsound.nz and click the survey link. It'll only take a couple of minutes. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Talon David on Plains FM 96.9 and we're going to play mini quiz. Uh, Talon, I've got 10 questions for you and you're going to have uh, 60 seconds to answer said questions. If you don't know the answer, then just pass. Talon, your time starts now. Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters became famous with which band which split in 1994? Nirvana. Eddie Vedder is best known as the lead singer of which band? Pass. For which 1973 movie starring Linda Blair was Tubular Bells used as the theme song? Pass. Formed in 1965, Jim, Robbie, Ray and John made up which famous American band? Pass. (laughs) From which album would you find the songs Never Going Back Again the Chain, and Dream. Pass. Georgia and Caleb Knott make, <laughs> make up which popular New Zealand music group? Probably won't get this one. No, pass. Okay. How did musician Sid Vicious die? Pass. Okay, well, there we go. Um, uh, your, your time is up. But that's good. See, you got the obligatory one, which is great. There we go. In hindsight, I mean, they were quite they were quite difficult questions. Eddie Vedder is the lead singer of Pearl Jam. Uh, the Exorcist uh, with Linda Blair uh, with uh, Tubular Bells. Um, Jim, Robbie, Ray and John made up The Doors. 
uh, formed oh. in 1965. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumours, uh, where those songs were occurring. Uh, there was a New Zealand group mm. called Broods uh, with Georgia and Caleb, not possibly uh, easier uh, if you were from Aotearoa. Uh, and Sid Vicious died of a drug overdose. So there we go. That's oh, quite. Oh, I probably a... could have guessed that. Ah, uh, yeah, indeed. It's either going to be a car accident, <laughs> a plane crash, or a, I don't know. Or an overdose. <laughs> Something, something like that. Uh, we talked about evolving and changing and uh, finding ways to express yourself and do new stuff and you know keep an income mm-hmm. income stream. What is uh, what is music life like right at the moment in in Nashville? Are people able to to get out and see stuff? Are we masks on, masks off? Are we all double vaxxed? You know, it depends. Most people are vaccinated, um, and then they say if you're vaccinated that you don't have to wear a mask in okay. most places. Yep. But actually, I went to see a concert. It was a string quartet playing covers of Queen. Fantastic. It was amazing. Yeah. But we all had to wear masks. Okay. But we all got to be there yeah. and see music, and it was grand. You talk about the tour and, and that kind of thing. Uh, have you got any designs on, on getting out and playing locally? I haven't just because um, the voiceover work is coming in very fast mm. now. And so that has kind of taken over a lot. And especially because of the production work mm. that um, I'm doing with several projects. Yep. My, my friend's project, I co-wrote a bunch of songs with another guy and mm-hmm. I produced all of those. So... That's kind of been my role in music right now, yeah. and which is fun. But I, I definitely want to perform these songs more. Yeah. It seems kind of remiss to just put them out there and not perform them at all. So. Absolutely. Um, we've got time for one more song uh, as we reach the end of the, the show, and it's it's not my problem, uh, <laughs> which I've, I've heard and I've read a little bit about. It's quite poppy, but it's is it a breakup song? It's written in a breakup type uh, context, but really the heart behind the song is just getting out of toxic relationships Mm -hmm. and feeling the freedom that accompanies that. Yeah. And it was kind of, um, so I released this song the day after I graduated college. Yeah. And at that point it was like, I feel so free and just ready to take on the world. You're not saying Belmont was a toxic relationship. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but towards the end, it's like, man, I'm ready to get out. Ready to you get know? out. Okay. I'm ready to get out. Spread my so. wings. I do get some, uh, I guess, for a new generation, I do get some Alanis Morissette vibes Yeah. out of this. Has she had an impact at all on, on what you do? You know, not until I heard people say that I sounded like her. Yeah. And then I looked her up and was like, Oh, she's really cool. And I love the Isn't It Ironic song. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. all of her stuff. It's amazing. Last question. Uh, if you had to choose between music theater and pop, where would you fall? This is such a hard question for me. I keep, like, vacillating between both of them. Um, it's that desert I island question. Say... You only have to take one genre with you to the island. <laughs> I should say pop. Yeah. But I'm going to say musical theater just because... I love the storytelling capacity sure. of a musical theater song. I think that pop has influenced musical theater, mm. but musical theater has influenced pop even more. Yeah, And so pop is kind of maybe an offset of okay. a yep. short for a musical theater piece almost. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. 
Um, Talon, you have been an absolutely wonderful, warm and generous guest. And it's been absolutely brilliant. Yay! So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ian. Uh, to play us out today, this is Not My Problem uh, from Talon David. So I guess that's it. You look me up and down. I flipped your hair and said that we would brew. Uh-huh. And I just stared as you gathered what you wanted. Said I didn't have to unfriend you. If I didn't want to, ha. And I bet you think that I'm sobbing right now. Like I forget all of the times you did me wrong. You did me wrong. Let's set the record straight. Hold on to your ego. This is what I'm doing now that you're gone. For being with me today and thanks also to Talon David for joining me from Nashville. You can find out more about Talon by heading to gardenofsound.nz and clicking on her link on the front page. I'm Ian Turner and I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound same time next week. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. Enohora. <laughs> <laughs>